Hi everyone, it's Stephanie uh, Mason from Cutting Through the Noise and today we are here with the beautiful Joanne Cowan, who many of you would know from uh, many years of being in the industry, uh, working with InStyle and now Hair Festival. Uh, jo, I'm so pleased to have you on um, Cutting Through the Noise today, uh, just so that everyone gets uh, an idea. we. We had a, a really good chat at the end of last year um, together and I found out something about Joe that I wanted to share with the industry. Uh, so, um, Joe, you know, again, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I, I look forward to chatting and, uh, and hopefully what I say today will help other people understand um, the challenges that we can be faced in life. Yeah, no, I know. It's... um. Honestly, it's just such a uh, heart-melting story. I think every time I talk about it, I have to cry a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so I'll stop for a second. Um, anyway, so um, I guess, Joe, like it's been three years since um, you uh, went in for a, a pretty serious surgery. And um, I guess what I wanted to talk about today is I want, wanted to um, expand on, you know, what, what happened in 2020 and, you know, what, what did that journey look like for you and, you know, where do you think um, you are today? And, you know, I think you should be so proud of where you are today and how you've mm. come through it and, you know, you're back on board and holding such an incredible event last year at Hair Festival. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll start with that. Um, so, Joe, I guess um, let's talk about what, what happened 2020. Yeah, so 2020, um, the 4th of February 2020, I had to have my um, tricuspid valve replaced in my heart. And they diagnosed that back on uh, the 11th of November, I'll never forget it, in 20, uh, in 2019. I'd just come back from a trip in Japan and I was uh, quite breathless and felt weird. That's the only way I could describe how I felt. Went to a doctor. Uh, she walked me uh, straight into the hospital next door and that was when I was diagnosed. So after many tests, they finally decided to replace my valve on the 4th of February. Uh, that was a seven and a half hour operation. And, uh, um, you know, to prepare for something like that is, uh, um, you know, I, I kind of had to put my ducks in order and I remember the night before going and before the surgery getting all my emails done and I made sure that we had the January February issue coming out and had to make sure that all the invoicing was done and everything was set up for the magazine so I sort of felt like on the morning of the 4th I could wake up and go hallelujah here I go and uh um and and so that morning was um, pretty crucial because they delayed my surgery to begin with. And so my daughter, who's a theatre nurse, um, stayed with me. Um, I met the anaesthetist and uh, and then really I don't remember other than um, they put me on a gurney to take me down to surgery. Um, they obviously gave me some lovely drugs because I don't even remember seeing the operating theatre. And... Uh, but I had been forewarned that I would wake up with uh, being incubated, which is where they have a tube uh, through down through your throat and you wake up and you can't talk. 
um, you're breathing, but you can't talk. And uh, they said that they would take that out pretty quickly. And, and that's exactly what happened um, on the morning of the 5th when I woke up in intensive care, um, attached to a Kazian machines and a nurse that never left my side. And uh, um, and my cardiologist came in to see me who did the surgery and uh, he said it was fantastic and uh, and then proceeded to um, adjust a, uh, um, uh, it was like a, a machine that was just monitoring my heart. Um, oh, I can't even think of the name of it. Anyway, um, I uh, I proceeded to throw up on him which he said wasn't a great thing to do, but I think he was used to it. And uh -huh. uh, and then, you know, that afternoon they got me out of bed and uh, they got me walking along. The most amazing things are the drugs that they give you because um, they really tone down the pain. And, uh, um, and the type of surgery I had, my chest wasn't opened vertically like most people. It was a what they call a keyhole surgery. So they cut underneath my right breast and went across. So I have no visible scars. Um, and mm. that's exciting when I go and put my bikini on again, I have no scars. So that's that's, so that's cool. amazing. And, and I guess I was in hospital for two weeks um, and during that time had to achieve certain goals of um, being able to walk around a nurse's station three times, which for someone like myself, who's previously been a um, an athlete um, to a very high level with marathon running, um, just to walk around the nurses' station was incredibly hard when you go through a surgery like that. And uh, um, but I have a great sense of humour, and I used to make fun of my ability to maybe get around the station a little quicker than they anticipated and so eventually I got out of there and and back to a ward and went through the process of them you know getting me ready for discharge and I went home so after two weeks I was you know yeah I'm done and uh now all I've got to do is get better and get over the pain so yeah. uh so that's kind of what happened in that whole two-week period yeah, and Joe, you know, um, obviously you are, you, know, you are a very fit and healthy person. I've always known you to be, to be that. So it's, you know, um, I guess it was shocking for me to hear that, you know, what you what you went through. Um, but I guess, you know, po post surgery, you know, um, you, you know, obviously you're a determined person to get better, and you wanted to to um, to get back on track. What what happened? What happened next? Well, you know, it kind of started, um, I started doing rehab at the hospital and as we've been talking this morning, I started to remember some things. So I, I remember going and doing my first lot of rehab and uh, we had to lift some weights and um, and everything else. And they got me doing um, like the beat test where you actually have to run from point to point or walk fast from point to point. And I did that really well. And, you know, that afternoon, my heart went out of rhythm. That was the beginning and that was probably two, maybe four weeks after surgery and that little bit of exercise, my heart went out of rhythm. And so I ended up back in uh, the original hospital, the Northern Beaches Hospital, where I was first diagnosed. And uh, so they were like, well, we can't understand this. So jolt back into rhythm and, um, um, and then I would go home. But then you would feel, I would feel weird, like, you know, I just didn't feel as normal as I as I should. And it, what was happening was my heart wasn't necessarily staying in um, 
in rhythm on a, a regular basis. So, you know, they they said, well, maybe we've got to put a pacemaker in. And I was I was dead against that um, because I didn't feel like I needed a pacemaker, but who <laughs> who am I to know? Um, but I certainly learned a lot about hearts. And, and you know, one of the interesting things about my heart is that my mother, um, who passed away in 2018, she was diagnosed with a faulty tricuspid valve, the same leaky valve that I had, and she was 91, and they never operated on her. So um, they believe what I have is a, a hereditary situation that was been probably brought forward a little bit with the amount of exercise that I had been doing. But uh, um, so post all of that, I was just in and out of hospital and I was trying to keep working, trying to solve, um, you know, problems, sell things on the magazine. And it was just, it just, nothing seemed to work. And uh, um, I guess I started to spiral a bit in that without knowing, I was quite depressed about what was happening with me. And uh, I started to uh, not sleep, which is one of the worst things that you can ever do is not sleep because sleep deprivation causes really weird reaction. And you can miss a night's sleep and you'll be okay. But when you have constant no sleep, um, things happen like my, my husband would find me sitting in the middle of the lounge room floor for absolutely no reason in the middle of the night. And he'd have to encourage me back to bed. And uh, it was it was just weird. Um, it was just weird. And, you know, I tried to talk with my sister and um, I was, um, they tried to get me into a rehab hospital to help me mentally. Um, and I was in that hospital one night and then they sent me home because they didn't know how to deal with me. Um, one of the things is that um, every case, every time someone has a heart done, it does affect your emotional stability. Um, there's, they're doing research at the moment to try and find out if that emotional stability is affected via the perfusion equipment that they use, which is where um, when they do heart surgery, uh, you go on a bypass machine. So all your blood is, your heart is effectively stopped and your bodies kept alive via a, what they call a perfusion machine and it's like a bypass machine and uh, there has been quite a lot of study done on how that going on that type of machinery can actually af affect people mentally and emotionally and um, so I guess I started to uh, really spiral and um, um, I got to the point I, as I said I was in and out of hospital they tried to help me in this other place like a clinic and uh that didn't work and um so i saw a psych tried to see a psychiatrist and at that time of course COVID had hit so you couldn't see a psychiatrist face to face you had to see them online um and uh, i had to go and sit in a room on my own and talk to this psychiatrist and um and it was hard it was it was really hard and i i guess um, that this was sort of happening through March and um, really the beginning of April. And then um, I spiraled down so far that um, I had to have an ambulance come and pick me up. And of course, I was kicking and screaming. And I remember um, the ambulance people. My husband couldn't calm me down. And um, 
and and I, I was just kicking and screaming. I didn't want to go in the ambulance. And they put me in the ambulance, and then they um, they took me to the Northern Beaches Hospital, and I got put in a mental ward. And uh, that was um, fortunately, I don't remember a lot about the first parts of the mental ward, um, but they didn't know where to put me because I wasn't old with any form of dementia. Um, and uh, so I got put with people who had uh, eating disorders. I got put with really old people. That didn't work hard. And then I got put in this really kind of weird ward that had some people that were violent, as well as other people who were inward like myself. Um, and I'd lost a lot of weight. Um, they would honestly try and feed me up as much as I could. Um, and it was pretty challenging. And uh, mm. I guess what was the long-term situation was they had to commit me. So I became a ward of, of the New South Wales state, which was, um, I remember going to the tribunal. You had to go to tribunal um, and sit in this room with these people. And um, I have to love and thank my husband who actually helped me go through this whole process and the effect that it had on him as well. Um, and it's taken years for him to get over it, as it has for my daughter to get over it as well. And she still sees a psychologist as a result. So um, what happens with mental health is it just doesn't always affect you. It affects those around you who can see you spiralling and they don't know what to do. Mm. So it's, um, it's, a, it's a hard scenario. So what happened to me is... Fortunately, there was the most amazing psychiatrist at the Northern Beaches Hospital who's still there. And um, she has a Labrador dog that she takes all around the hospital. And that dog's a therapy dog. And so every time you go and see, you get to pat the therapy dog. And sometimes we were allowed to take the therapy dog for a walk. And that was like, oh, my goodness, that was amazing. But what she suggested would, would bring me back because I became timid. Um, I was afraid of of being in the world and um, and I was locked away. <laughs> yeah. So um, they suggested to do some ECT treatment, which is an electronic therapy. So it's like you would have seen back in the, you know, the black and white days of movies where they put um, electrodes on your head. And uh, so they um, they use this electronic therapy to bring you back from the state that you're in. And it doesn't always work. Um, but in my case, it was a cracker. It actually brought me back and they believed it would. They just needed to, in some way, uh, reconfigurate my brain. And uh, the downside of it is that I lost some short-term memory and... Uh, um, but the upside was after every treatment, and I think I had, gee, I'm, I'm not sure if I had about eight treatments, maybe, um, that uh, I was able to be released from the hospital and go home and be a normal person. And during all mm -hmm. that time, my heart settled down. It stayed in rhythms, rhythm. They were doing ECGs and everything was was perfect and it just settled. Mm. And so um, I'm so thankful to the Northern Beaches and also to the New South Wales government for having a mental health program that they put in place when people are in a um, in a bad state. And for the following six months, I had to go and visit the Northern Beaches Mental Health Unit 
and uh, and let them see what was happening and how I was progressing and how I was putting on weight and doing all those things. And I just became quite normal. And mm. then they didn't know what to do with me then because I was back to being me. <laughs> And I think, yeah, I think, you know, we talked about that, you know, that during that time, you know, you didn't feel like you were you and, you know, you know, you've, you've come back, you know, like we, we just, when we, when we just jumped on the call, we, you know, we talked about that it's been three years, um, as of four days ago. Yes. Um, you know, what, and you know, you're now, um, you know, so impressive. You're you're back on back on track like never before. You're you're running a, a massive event for the industry. You know, you're. Yes. Uh, it's just you know. I mean, I guess you know what I'd love to talk about is like how how did you get from there to here? Like how? Yeah. Um, I think because it I takes resilience. Uh, yeah, you know, it does take and, resilience. I can tell you. Um, mm-hmm. Even uh, I mean, the team at the in style and you know style icons we're a close-knit team there's only four of us and uh those guys were amazing um they um they just supported me um and and I came back to work gradually so I came back to work one day and then two days and whilst I wasn't working one of the um other women who work within the intermediate group that InStyle is part of she had uh just helped in the sales role for that period of time um, it was also hard because it was COVID and everything was shut down and it was a tough year. So when I came back, um, which was July 1, when I officially sort of came back, we started talking about um, the fact that uh, Hair Expo had announced that they weren't going ahead any further anymore. The company started to um, look into the opportunities of us doing um, an exhibition event because we have an event division. And um, so we started to formulate plans. And I guess um, when you are, uh, I knew what I needed to do with the magazine and the website. Um, and what was was pretty amazing is thinking about if I was running an event, what were the key things that I wanted what were the key mandatories that I wanted and and Cameron um our um creative director and editor he he also had what he thought was you know the key things that we felt the industry needed and so um between the two of us and an events team and our um other members of InStyle and Style Icons we just started putting the plan together and of course it was supposed to come off on the on uh, the long weekend in um, June 21 and it didn't because Victoria shut down and I think it was 10 days before that that date and before we were about to go ahead and I just got an email from Pete Wallstep at Excellent Edges I'll never forget it and he said Joe I can't come I can't come I'm shut down and I can't even sneak in because they're they're (laughs) stopping me at the borders and then I started to look at my whole database of people who were from Melbourne who were exhibitors. And then I just went into our event director and I said, we have got a massive problem. Um, I went with her to our managing director. I, I said, we have to delay this. We cannot do it. Um, it's 10 days out. 
And if we go ahead with this, it's going to be a disaster because we knew there were a lot of people coming from Melbourne and there were a lot of people then that had become very nervous. And even though we had put in, in place a COVID safe plan, um, it wasn't enough. And uh, so we postponed it and we decided we'll do it um, in September. And I think it was the 22nd and 23rd of September, I think. Um, and, and, uh, and of course, then we got shut down in New South Wales and Victoria opened up. So it was like, well, I think it's saying 22 is the year. And of course, that's what that's what happened. And we then had a little bit more time to perfect things. But, you know, it's um, Hair Festival is not just about me or Cameron. It's really about um, the whole team who work on the event. And there's a very close knit team. Of, um, of people who each have individual roles to um, bring to the party. And then at the time of the event, we bring other people in to manage key areas of the event um, so that we can then go on and make sure the event goes successfully. So that's kind of mm -hmm. how it all how it all came about. So it was a dream of our managing director and I guess we just realised the dream and brought it to life. I mean, it's pretty amazing given all of the other stuff that was going on that, you know, yeah, you, you, it, you managed to pull it off and, um, yeah, you know, it, you know, it's still, it's an event like that, you know, um, is, is such a big feat to have and it was the first year and I'm, I'm excited yes. to participate this year in it actually. Yes. So, yeah. Well, um, you did education in 22, so oh, yeah. it's great to have you, great to have you on the floor for 23. Exactly. Um, but I, I was just, I just had something in my mind I was going to say then um, about, you know, about the event. Oh, I was going, just going to, to share that um, um, my health has been really good. But one of the things that happened in the beginning of 22, which not many people knew, is I, um, I developed a clot in my heart. Now, that's a pretty serious scenario. My cardiologist had never seen it. And he always says that I'm the biggest challenge for him. I have a nice thick file and and he's hilarious um, and I would recommend him for everybody because he's so good. But I developed this clot in my heart and so we had to get rid of it and my heart had gone out of rhythm again. So, um, so I went through all this process again of trying to get it back into rhythm, which is, you know, they put you to sleep and they jolt you back to life. I mean, that's wow. what it is. And uh they put these pads on you before you go to sleep, put something in your mouth, they go down your throat, they check your heart out internally, take that out, and then they just go jolt. Um, so I had that done uh, three times, and then they said, oh, well, that's not going to be a long-lasting process because it's not holding on. So actually at Hair Festival, um, my heart was out of rhythm. Um, I was booked in to have um, what they call an ablation, which is they go into... Uh, your heart through your groin and they um, they burn off the blood uh, the blood supply that's causing the fibrillation or the yeah the fibrillation um, the jolting of the heart that's called AF and uh, so they went in and uh, and they did that on the 25th of November and I woke up on the 25th of November and looked at my heart monitor and there I am back in rhythm again and I'm like yes there's a god there is a god I'm back but at Hair Festival, oh my goodness me, I was, um, I had to be really careful because my heart was out of rhythm. And uh, and so what happens when your heart's out of rhythm, um, you can't move fast. You can, if you walk super fast, you get out of breath. So 
I would just have to think about, okay, I need to be from one side of carriage works to the other. So let's just take it slow and I would take myself and I would get things done. But sometimes I'd have to stand in the back area with my head down between my legs because I was so breathless. And then I just get myself back in, make sure I drink water and I just kept on going. But the night of um, when it was all finished um, and I was supposed to go to the Creative Awards, I was so done. Um, I gave my ticket to somebody else and just went home. And the next day, I just said to Shannon Gates, who's our online editor, um, I just can't get out of bed. I was so exhausted. And uh, and then, yeah, and then my body just, just you know, sorted itself out. And, um, and I think the, the key behind all of this was even though I had um, my, a heart out of rhythm, um, I walked a lot. Before that, I was just walking. And I so I must, I don't know how many Ks I did. I would have loved to have actually, I could have looked at the step count on my phone because my phone was with me the whole time. But uh, yeah, I did it with a heart out of rhythm and a big smile. <laughs> I think that's, that's, about, wow. that's about it. And I'm not looking for any accolade. It was what life delivered. And I guess what I've learned from having um, uh, a problem, a mental problem, and I'm not afraid to tell anybody that I've, I've had a mental problem, is that you have to accept. You have to accept what life delivers. Don't fight it, but try and use what you've learned about it to help other people. So if anybody ever says to me, gee, I'm stressed, I say to them, what are you stressed about? And what are you doing to help yourself with that stress? Are you taking yourself for a walk? Are you thinking about meditation? And I have to tell you, meditation has been an amazing part of my renewal and I do it every night, but um, it it really has helped me so much. Um, and I would, would really encourage people, it's taking 10 minutes out of your day to be within yourself and to to breathe and not let, we have very busy minds and, um, uh, we let a lot of noise in constantly, and that noise is what creates for us mental stress. And uh, you've got to learn to block the noise out and give your, your your brain and your body a break. You know, we never give ourselves a break. We're always like rushing here and rushing there. And um, and I was the worst candidate for that. So you know, I just try and think about that. And uh, and I say to people, if you've got a problem, you know, don't don't just sit on it. Go and do something about it. Go and yeah. go and find a psychologist who you can talk to. That's all you do. And when you see a psychiatrist, they're not putting you in a lounge and and doing all that sort of thing. They don't. They just ask you to talk. And uh, my psychiatrist, who I still see, um, I was very excited last time I saw her. I said my heart's in rhythm. And guess what? She said what? I said I'm I'm on Duolingo learning French because I'm going to France. And uh, <laughs> And I can remember my um, my year 11 French and I was so excited. I said, so my mind's back. If I can remember back to year 11 French, then I don't think I've got a problem at all. So No, that's so good. Yeah. And, and I mean, look, I think, you know, when, I mean, it is still, there is still definitely a stigma even in today's world about, mm. you know, psychology and, and so forth and, you know, I think, you know, I, I still hear friends of mine saying, oh, yeah, I want to talk to someone. I'm like, go speak to someone. What's wrong with, there's nothing wrong with it. There's no, mm. you know, there's no reason why you can't, 
um, you know, get out there and, and, and talk, you know, it, it's, it's a necessity. I mean, for me, even, you know, running my business, I find that it's great to be able to offload that, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, you know, de-stress myself, you know, and I think that's really important. Um, you know, you don't always feel like you can do it to your friends and your family, but, right. you know, having someone else there to, you know, especially be an outsider that's not going to have opinions and, and all those sorts of things, it's always a healthy, healthy tool. But I guess, um, Joe, did you always meditate? Was that something you always did or was it something that came in after? Oh, no, I started to meditate before my heart was um, diagnosed, probably about a year before. And uh, um, and that was through a girlfriend of mine that I used to uh, do running training with. And she was doing it. And she said, just go get yourself the car map. And I'm like, the car map? So I went and got the car map. And um, the car map um, has really helped because it has daily meditation. But it also has things like sleep stories. And um, the sleep stories are told by actors and all sorts of interesting people with beautiful voices. And um, so if you ever can't sleep, you can put one of those stories on and um, start listening. And what it does, it unclouds your brain. It takes away all of the noise that's not allowing you to sleep because you're thinking about some story that they're telling you and you drift off to sleep. It's really, it's really quite amazing. Um, and uh, you can get the car map for free. You can pay for it. It's, um, you just get more adaptions of, you know, what you can do on it. But, you know, it's a, it's a great tool. So I, it's something that I would definitely suggest people do. Yeah. And I think especially like the last few years have been very stressful for a lot of people. You know, there's so much transition and change happening in our industry. A lot of yes. stress going on yes. so you know yeah. any tools that you know um we can use to to de-stress and declutter I think is really important yeah and you know to that end um uh we actually had at hair festival a meditation session that wasn't instigated by me it was instigated by Owen McCarthy who spoke to Jake uh Putin and he um had a meditation at Hair Festival, which we've set up again, and that's on the um, Monday morning at 8.30. Um, so it's 8.30 to 9.30 before the festival opens again on the Monday. Um, after the party, yes, but it's 8.30, so it's not like a 6.30. And uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and and there we had we had about 20 people there for it, and it was it was really lovely. And yeah. uh, so we're doing it again. So we'll probably make more noise about that this year because it was something that we tried this year and uh, and I thought it was a, a great scenario. And so we, uh, yeah, we, we're, we're definitely going to do that again. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, mm. I'm super excited for the event. Um, is there anything you want to talk about, um, let everyone know about the event before, I mean, the dates and, and any, any other sure. information about tickets? Why not? <laughs> Absolutely. So the event is on um, sat Sunday the 11th of June and Monday the 12th of June. So we have a marketplace area which is like an exhibition floor. The marketplace is um, open to everybody who are hairdressers, salon owners, associates to the industry, but not to the general public. And it's absolutely free to come along. So all you need to do is go to our website, which is www.hairfestival.com.au and just register your intention to come. 
what you'll find at Hair Festival, it's the whole background to Hair Festival is uniting the industry annually. That's what we're trying to do. Create connections for people to meet and see each other, to learn about new products, new ideas, to gain educational insights and, uh, and to have some fun as well. So at Hair Festival, we have um, two days of uh, exhibitions. We also have on the uh, Sunday night, we have the Wonderland Party, which we had a thousand hairdressers in 1922, where um, we had, uh, they were partying pretty, they had a lot of fun, they had a lot of fun. We had uh, a great band and DJ and we had uh, roving entertainment and uh, 360 degree cameras. We had so much food some great alcohol. We had cocktails in boxes and uh, it was just great. It was just a really, really good event. And um, we also have loads of education. So we have education that is um, um, cutting, styling, colouring. Um, Stephanie, you've got two sessions um, for Show Pony, um, one on cutting um, extensions, others colouring extensions, I believe. Yeah. And yeah. we also, so we have a, a whole group of, uh, of education classes, which will be, um, you're going to learn a lot. I think that's the key thing is we have a diversity of content um, with some business as well. It's going to be very effective. We also have the Real Talk Business Forum, which is half a day on the Sunday. So that's a, um, a forum and an event that Cameron and I developed in 2019. And it's to create unbranded conversations. So what's happening in the industry now and how we can address it. So that has... Um, um, different panels. We have Lisa Conway, who's the um, facilitator for the day. So she's going to be the MC. She's going to be talking about how to value your business. So, you know, what are we charging for a haircut? You know, why can't we charge more for a haircut? I mean, if, if a barista who learns his, you know, his job in so many days, and we spend three years learning to become a qualified hairdresser, of which I am and very proud of. Um, why should we think that a $20 haircut or a $45 colour is acceptable? We've spent years learning our craft. And so she's talking about that. Stephanie, you're going to talk about how we um how we're seen in the global economy as a country. And uh um yeah. that's going to be amazing. We have a mental health panel, which of course is talking about how salon owners are handling mental health. Um, but also we have some experts we're bringing in who are going to talk about um, education that can help you in the mental health space. We've got another panel on technology and uh, we have um, education, um, an education present presentation by Jane Barrett, who owns um, Pivot Point. But she's really talking about why we should be continuing our education. I mean, an accountant has to go to so many seminars a year to stay a qualified accountant. And in our industry, we don't have those parameters, but really education is pivotal to how we stay creative and how we can inspire our clients to the next colour to the next set of extensions and whatever that might look like. So, um, and then we have a, um, a keynote speaker that we're yet to announce. So um, that's going to be very exciting on the 
on the Sunday. Um, and one other activity we have is we have the hair festival competitions, which are live competitions, live cutting for men and women. Um, we've got creative competition where you just create colour. Um, so that's a pre-done comp. We also have an editorial competition. We also have the bob. So um, imagine you've pre-cut the most perfect bob and now you have 30 minutes to blow dry it into the perfect shape. So um, this is challenging, yeah. but you know what's good about it is we we work on time slots. So you have only so long to do a haircut. You have so long to do a blow dry. And um, it's no different to do that on a competition stage, but we're looking for perfection of how you do that. And and uh, and so there's there's lots of fun with this, lots of cheering and shouting, and we have the best um, competition, which is called the Team Relay, and that's where we have three people from one salon, or it could, could be three session stylists, and they each have 10 minutes. So after 10 minutes, a buzzer goes, and they have to pass a brush like a relay baton, and then they just jump on, the second person. 10 minutes later, the third person jumps on, and a creation is made in front of your eyes. So that's really cool to watch. So we've got lots of things happening at the festival and uh, we just would love as many people to come along and just enjoy the weekend there's lots of food and drink and for those that came last year that did experience that it was a little bit cold at carriage works because i haven't said that the events at carriage works in everly um it's a historic building and it doesn't have inbuilt heating. So we are bringing in gas heaters this year um, into all the spaces so you won't be cold. If you wear something <laughs> flimsy, uh, look, you know, I can't guarantee that you won't be cold, but if you <laughs> if you just wear normal clothes, you're going to be warm. We'll, oh, we'll, and there's that's... plenty of warm coffee around as well. So there you go. Oh, that's so good, Joe. I honestly, I just take my hat off to you with your dedication, especially after everything you've been going through this year. I mean, no one would know, you know, you no. just, um, it's just, you know, you're an incredible human and your dedication to the industry is just incredible. And I'm so grateful to know you and, you know, thank you for coming on today and telling your story. I really, I'm so privileged to be able to, you know, allow this to, story to be told and, and thank you for all of your dedication and hard work in the industry. And um, yeah, thank you for coming it's, on. Thank you. It's <laughs> been an absolute pleasure, Stephanie. And thank you so much for asking me to share this because, you know, getting people to know a story like this is um, is important. So, uh, and uh, you've you've done an amazing job. I remember meeting you when you were in your very first early days of starting Show Pony at a hair expo, I think. And yeah. uh, my goodness, have you come a long way in that time as well? Oh, so congratulations you, for what you do. Oh, thank you for all your support throughout the years. You've always been there supporting, so thank you. Okay, my pleasure. And, and you know, I think it is really important, you know, there's, there's people out there that are going through hard times and, you know, I think telling a story like yours, it's just, um, it's really great to know that, you know, it's not, just them going through it and you know sometimes you're not yourself but you can come out of it that's where I really got the power in that story which yeah. you know it's really yeah. amazing anything is anything is possible if you believe yeah I agree yeah well thank okay. you so much Joe and thank you for all the listeners of cutting through the noise please make sure you stay tuned and if you um, are not following us already please go to at cutting through the noise on Instagram and stay tuned for any further updates. Thank you very much. Thanks, Joe, for coming on board and we'll see you all soon. Thank you.
Thank you. Bye. Bye.